today's talk is called Brick. So Steve Jobs said, sometimes life hits you in the head with a brick, but don't lose faith. Oh. <laughs> so today, for our digital activity, for those of you who want to get involved, you can do a slow-mo video. I've got my phone, I've cleared the space. We're gonna do slow-mo videos. Down. And we're gonna do a slow-mo video of being hit in the head with a foam brick. I just wanna point out that my wife was not meant to do it quite like that. And it was more the face. Uh, it wasn't the face, it was the, it was the ear. And, uh, I can't hear out that ear. But um, it's a foam brick, so it really, it really won't hurt. So if you want to, or if you're not brave enough to get smacked by some of a brick who might have something against you, um, you may want to just do the pose for a photo and we'll, we'll do that. But yeah, Steve Jobs said, sometimes life hits you in the head with the brick and don't, don't lose faith. And so that's what we're going to be talking about today. We're going to be talking about not losing faith when life hits you in the head with a brick which is kind of the key theme of the book of Job. So we're going to read Job chapter 2. Again, there was a day when the sons of God came to present themselves before the Lord. Satan also came among them to present himself before the Lord. And the Lord said to Satan, From where have you come? The same as last time. Satan answered the Lord and said, From going to and fro on the earth, walking up and down on it. So he's kind of suggesting all the stuff that he's done, the problems that he's caused. And the Lord said to Satan, Have you considered my servant Job? Oh, he's enjoying this. There is none like him on earth, a blameless and upright man who fears God and turns away from evil. He still holds fast his integrity, although you incited me against him to destroy him without reason. There's no reason in Job's situation. There's a key thing that I want to just throw out here as a bit of a curveball today. That when you go through grief and when you go through pain and when life throws you the worst cards dealt ever in any hand, we always go, why? Sometimes when it comes to pain and suffering, the why is evasive. You're not going to find the why. There's nothing to suggest that Job in his life ever knew about the theatrics that were taking place in the heavens in this story. There's nothing to suggest he was ever aware of it. He just kept to his integrity. He kept to his direction. He kept to his goal. He kept to his vision. And he kept to who he was. And it didn't matter what happened to him. He knew where he was going. He knew where he was. And he wasn't swaying it for anybody. And this kind of bit here... It reminds me a bit of Backstreet Boys. Oh my God, I'm back again. Because you see the first chapter, like Satan comes in and he's just like, boom. He says, exact same spiel. But this time there's, there's, there's a change in the loop. But also, it's important to know that sometimes when you've got through something, like he's lost his, he's lost his kids, lost his businesses, and he's just catching second wind in his life. You think like, oh, what, you're going to have this huge amount of time to get back to where you were. You're completely ready for the next one. And then it happens. That's not what happens. Like when, when, when Satan is out to like sift you, when Satan, Satan is stepping to you, when he's moving to you, it's not a case of like you get hit and then you've got all this time on your hands to get yourself ready. And the next one, it's like bang, straight away, next hit. It's like a, like a UFC fight. You never see someone get the bang when they start to shake. They don't go, well, let me just carry on with my normal strategy. They go, his legs are wobbly. They're going for the finish. They run in ground and pound, start smacking that head like it's a base, uh, basketball on the ground. Like they're trying to get the KO, they're trying to get the knockout. And that's what's happened here. So like Job's wobbled a bit, but his legs are still keeping him up. 
in this fight and he's still worshiping God and he's not cursing God, but he's been rocked, man. He's taken a, he's taken a heavy hit. He's taken a heavy blow. And so then what happens is, as he says this, have you considered myself a Job? There's none like him in all the earth, a blameless and upright man who fears God and turns away from evil. He still holds fast his integrity, although you incite me against him and destroy him without reason. The why is elusive. Satan answered the Lord and said, skin for skin, all that a man has, he will give for his life. But stretch out your hand and touch his bone and his flesh and he will curse you to his face. See what I'm saying? Round two. Like this, this whole talk has happened before. It's happening all over again. Round two. And the Lord said to him, behold, he is in your hand. Only spare his life. So before the hedge of protection, the limit was he couldn't touch him at all. God moves that, that, God changes that barrier and then it's now he can come to him and he can touch all his possessions and his family and everything. But then here it's like you can touch him but you can't kill him. You can touch him but you can't kill him. So then it's getting closer to home. Just when you think things cannot get worse, um, you haven't had time to properly grieve. You haven't had time to gather your breath. It, it takes a step in. It's not like you survived the first thing and then it gets more distant. It gets closer. He's like a boa constrictor going in for that kill, going in to suffocate, going to take the life away. And so the Lord said, but hold his in your hand, only spare his life. There's still that limit that God puts in that place. So Satan went out from the presence of the Lord and struck Job with loathsome sores from the sole of his foot to the crown of his head. And he took a piece of broken pottery with which to scrape himself while he sat in the ashes then his wife said to him do you still hold fast your integrity curse God and die but he said to her you speak as one of the foolish women would speak shall we receive good from God and shall we not receive evil in all this Job did not sin with his lips like I'm going to be totally real with you like a lot of people like when it comes to church and they look at that and they always talk about kind of Job's wife but like if we if, if, if I could just keep it real for a minute I mean in the last two weeks I can see like in, in our marriage in our relationship we've both been Job's wife so if I think two weeks back I can totally think of a whole week where I've been Job's wife where I've been just vexed I've been annoyed about my situation I've been annoyed in it and I've been lucky lucky enough to have Jody as my wife being like, no, you gotta keep faith. You gotta keep trusting in him. You gotta keep moving with him. And then this week, her nausea has been crazy. Like, pregnancy, she's had a tough, tough week. And so then I'm there trying to do the things I can do and trying to encourage her. I'm not as good as it as she is. She's much better encouraging than I am. But it, it switches between the two. It switches between the two. Now, in, in this situation, I've heard a lot of guys say a lot of things about his wife, but you gotta remember, she just lost all her children, all her children, and they had quite a lot of kids. Like, that's a huge thing to go through. So when she's saying this, I've heard people talk critically of her, and I'm thinking like, you're not real, you go through that. Like, they were, they were like, so rich, so wealthy. All the business is gone, but more valuable than the business is gone, their kids are gone. And now, at this point, she's looking at her, her husband and now there's sores all over his body and he's in complete and agony and she's just like, you know what, let's just be done with this. Just, just forget your integrity. Who cares? Let's just curse God and die. Look, what else is there to live for? Our kids, you know what I mean? The kids are gone. But we need to kind of also kind of create that space. Like, you know what, I've had to create space in my life sometimes where actually when I look at Job, I'm so amazed by him because it says here, 
In all of this, Job did not sin with his lips. I can't say the same. I remember reading this passage and just being like, wow, like Job is some amazing, amazing guy. I'm not that guy. Like I, I, have, I have been rude to God. I'm not, I'm not even going to lie about it. There's been times when, not in front of people, like I'll never be disrespectful to him like in, in public, but sometimes I've been behind closed doors and I've had to just let some stuff out and go like, I need to talk to you and I need to talk to you. I need to be real about where I'm at right now because like this is absolutely killing me and I wish you had never done what you'd done in my life. I wish that... My parents who couldn't have kids didn't have kids. I wish that I wasn't here. And that's your fault. And I hold you accountable for that miracle. Like, I'm in a bad place at the time. And I'm having a go at him. I'm letting it out. And I'm letting rip at him about some things. I'm not as good as Job. And, and that's what really kind of inspired me about this, this passage. Is when I read this, I thought, wow, man. I thought to myself, could I say that if I lost Eden? I don't know if I could say that if I lost Eden. I don't know if I could get down and, and drop those worship bars. Like, Matt Redman sang it. And, and, and that's beautiful. But... Job said that when all his kids were gone, when his business was gone, everything was gone. What, what was left for him? And then it gets closer to him and now his body is, is withering and wasting and he's feeling it. And it says, in all this, Job did not sin with his lips. He didn't sin with his lips. Job is this amazing, amazing, amazing example for you and for I that in the midst of it, that we can stand firm, that we can trust God beyond our pain, and beyond our suffering. The beautiful thing in this passage is, is as a couple, one of them is losing the plot, but one of them's on the page. And you know what that happens. In the times where I've been losing the plot and I'm vexed and I'm struggling, I've had an amazing wife who's been solid for me. And the times where she's slightly losing it because she never loses it like I lose it. Um, I've tried to be. And, and that's kind of how the relationship work, works. And, and that's one of the good things that God kind of does um, in marriage and why it's such a sacred thing. Um, it, I don't think this is just a bad um, reflection upon Job's wife because, I mean, I'm not going to lie, man. That's some crazy stuff going on there. And then we kind of read on. Now, when Job's three friends heard all this evil had come upon him, they came each from his own place. Um, Eliphaz, the Temanite, um, Bildad, the Shuhite, and Zophar, the Namath, I don't know, I have no idea how you say that. Um, they made an appointment together to come to show him sympathy and comfort him. And when they saw him from a distance, they did not recognize him. And they raised their voices and wept, and they tore their robes, and they sprinkled dust on their heads towards heaven. And they sat with him on the ground seven days and seven nights. No one spoke a word to him, for they saw that his suffering was very great. In all this, Job did not sin with his lips. In all of it, in all of it, in the first round, and in round two, he's still not sinning with his lips. The whole thing of this situation has been a really unique situation. It is there just to get him to curse God. And you know what? We talk about sometimes our words. And people say like, oh, you know, sticks and stones break my bones, but words will never hurt me. Like the book of Job doesn't lay it out that way. It lays it out like words will really hurt you. Words will really hurt others. But most of all, your words will really hurt God. Your words will really hurt God and your words will really hurt yourself. Because what Satan is trying to do in the story of Job is he's trying to cut him off from the life source. He's trying to cut him off from the only person who's truly got him. He's trying to cut him off from the only person who put a hedge around him that enabled him to flourish in his life in the first place, that gave him all these good things. And he's trying to cut him off 
from the one who's going to pour the same blessings he poured in before again but even greater towards the end of his final days but in all of this he didn't you see the devil is after what you say words really can hurt you they can hurt others and they can hurt God Um, the big squeeze is after your words he wants you to speak words that are going to kill you he wants you to speak words that are going to destroy your life the example we have in Job here is one greater than anything I could ever embellish or anything I could ever do. And that's why I love this book because it calls me forward. It calls me to be a better man. It calls me to follow after God and, and to be someone who will speak life no matter how painful it gets. And that's why I absolutely love this story with Job. But then it goes on to say, have you ever seen someone like, like this? That's what I'm going to say. Have you ever seen someone you've not seen in ages and they are completely unrecognizable? Eden has. I don't know about the rest of you. But like, they see him from a distance and Job is not recognizable. He's not recognizable. Have you ever had that moment? I feel these moments have been some of the saddest and worst moments in my life where you've known someone so well and then you meet them again and you walk away with someone else who knew them and you say, man, they're just a shadow of who they were before. They're just a shadow of themselves. Have you seen someone who's been in an accident where like after a car crash or something and they're just haven't got the same function they had. There was this guy that I always used to see at these family events and I had no idea his story until I grew older. And he had this huge kind of dent in his head and he'd been in this car accident and he lost all his function and all he did now was smile and say the odd word and make loud noises. Like, his whole life completely changed. And I remember seeing him, not knowing, and then as a kid, when I was a bit older, hearing his story from my uncle and I was like, wow, like, he was a shadow of who he was. One of the saddest things that can happen. And then sometimes you, you see someone you love and they have a debilitating disease and they're wasting away in that bed in front of you. And it's just so sad because you're looking at them and you know all the times you've had together. You know the great things that you've done, the things you've enjoyed. And now they're just wasting away and you look at them and it's almost like you can't recognize who they are. Or you had a friend that you went to school with and they were just so much fun and you grew up together. But now like... They're on smack or they're on, they're on cocaine or they're on these drugs. And you just look at them and they're not the same. They're wasting away. There was this guy at a church that I used to be at. Um, he's, he's passed away now. But from his teenage years into like his 60s, all he'd done is just nonstop drugs. And his teeth weren't there. And he, was the, he had nothing to him. He looked like, like something from The Walking Dead. Like he was like, um, like Skeletor, man. He just without the dense muscles. Like he's just <laughs> wasting away, man. This guy is just walking around like that. And you looked at him and I remember someone telling me like one of the pastors of the church, he went to school with him as a kid. And so this guy kept coming back and he loved hearing the word and he loved getting involved in the church. He was a bit schizophrenic, tried to headbutt a worship. He had a swung for me a few times, but he was a nice guy. He just, he lost it. The drugs had, had completely messed him up, but the person he was before to who he is now and hearing this one pastor say what he was like at school, yeah, he was a bit naughty, a bit cheeky, but they kind of had this friendship and then he's here like this. He's a shadow of who he was before, man. It's so sad. Or like when you, like losing a loved one and it's like, it's like they're just unrecognizable from a distance until you get up close. And what I love about this is it says from a distance, go to mom if you're sweet. It's like from a distance, like he's unrecognizable. But when they get up close, when they get up close, it's Job. And when they get up close, the thing with Job is he actually hasn't changed. Like his outward appearance has changed because of all that's gone on, the mourning, the grieving, and the pain he's gone through, and, and the sores on his body. But what I love about Job, like he hasn't changed what he speaks. Because you see, what you speak is the overflow of that which is in your heart. And Job's heart hasn't changed. 
Job hasn't stopped being a worshipper. Job hasn't stopped living a life of integrity. Job hasn't sold out. Job hasn't tapped out. He's carried on. And from a distance, he's unrecognizable. But when you get up close to Job, you're like, oh, Job is still there. But the thing that I love about this passage is it says for seven days, they kept silent. For seven days, they just sat with him. Now listen, in the day we live in, the age we live in, none of us can take seven days off and just sit next to a friend and not say anything. You know what I mean? We live in, a, in, a, in an age that is so hyper-connected. Like, we can't sit next to someone for seven minutes and not say something. You know what I mean? Like, like seven seconds is an eternity in, in our world, the way that we do things, the way we live. It's totally messed up. But what I love about this, and this is what I believe God is saying in his word for us today, um, he's speaking through the, the beginning part about integrity that maybe you have lost your integrity before with God I know I have but God is calling me forward to be a man that doesn't he's calling me to be forward and he's calling you to be forward as a person who, who who's careful what they say, who sticks to who they want to be, who God is calling them to be and won't exchange it for anything because that is what Satan is after. And we don't want to give him that. We want to be able to God say, have you considered Andy? Have you considered, um, have you considered us and, and who we are? But in this last part, his three friends come and I feel this week, this is something that God is calling us to practically do. You see, in those days, like when, you're, when your world is falling apart, you just need your friends to shut up. You need your friends to shut up. When everything's going on, you don't need your friend to turn up and give his two pence of wisdom. Like, man, like, are you kidding me? Like, when you're hurting like that, you don't need someone to, to go, oh, here's what you need to do. Bang, 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 bullet point, walk through the park. Man, are you kidding me? I'm going to knock you out. You, I'm going through that kind of stuff, and you step to me and start telling me how I should change my life and the things I should do. No, bro, you're getting bullied. You can't be going around doing that. What I love here is they see him, and they're like, oh, wow, this is worse than what we heard. Look how he is. So they just... They're there with him for seven days. We need friends who shut up and we need to be friends who shut up. It's not what you say, it's that you're there. Some of the darkest times in my life, it has not been what God has said. It was that he was there. He was there. His presence just being there with me. His presence just there through it all. Those have been the best things that God has even done in my life. Not even the things he's spoken. But I can remember the time when I was nine years of age. I remember my whole world was falling apart. Like um, I was being bullied at school. There was these two new kids that came. One of them, his mum had um, breast cancer. And all the kids in the, in the year turned around and said, hey, you're not going to have a mum anymore. They were slapping him around the face and kicking him and hitting him. And I was really popular then. And I stepped in front of them and I said, if you mess with him, you mess with me. And they never picked on him ever again. And I got bullied for the next couple of years. And I remember just every day I was getting it instead of this kid. And for me now, I look back, it's totally worth it. But I remember being in my bed at night, just crying my eyes out because days at school were so tough. And then my granddad was dying and it felt like everything was falling apart. And one day I remember just shouting out in my bed like, God, if you're there, and if you're who I hear you are in church, I could do of you right now. And I just felt this presence of God, just this warm presence just there in the room. And instead of crying myself to sleep that night, he was there with me. And he didn't need to say a word. He was there. He was with me. And actually, God calls us to be with people. Sometimes you want to go, and Christians always want to be quick to speak. Don't speak. Just be there with them. Like, if you see that, those memes that go around on Facebook, people who are depressed, people who are introverts, they said they just want someone to come under the bed sheets and kind of sit next to them. That's the meme that goes around on Facebook. I'm not saying we get in anyone's beds, okay? I'm going to throw that out right now before anyone goes like, jeez, pastor told me to get in your bed with you. Like, no, 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 check yourself before you wreck yourself. But I'm saying you need to be with people in that pain. You need to, it's not what you say, you just need to be there. Um, who do you need to be there for? Who do you need to sit with? Just be there. Which kind of brings us to this stuff right here. So you can shine in your silence. 
There's this time where Paul writes this in one of his letters, like, man, I just wish you would live quiet lives. You're all talking too much. You're saying too much to people. You're going around telling everyone about how they should be. Just shut up. Shut the heck up. There's times when your silence with someone will mean more than anything you'll ever say. And if you've got someone who's going through something, man, you want to shine for God, just be quiet. Be silent and just be with them. Give your presence. Give your presence. Give the fact that you're there with them through that pain. And then lastly, it's such a bait one, I just can't step away from it. Invite them to City Hill, man. So pick one person, one person this week. All of us. We're going to pick a person this week. And this is what we're going to do. Monday, we're going to have a meaningful text conversation. Someone who we know is hurting. Like, you may not know someone who's going through trouble. I'm not saying someone's lost all of their kids, like 13 of them, and they're all dead, and their business has gone bust. But the person you can think of right now, out of everyone you know that's hurting the most, start a text conversation. Hey, what's up? How's it going? Or, man, the weather sucks today. Or, uh, this football team's dead. Whatever. Just start a text and then get to a meaningful conversation. On Tuesday, give them a call. Like, we can't do the seven days with them. We don't live in Job's day. First day, text, touch base. Second day, phone them up. Hey, it was so cool chatting you about text every day, man. It's been a while. Man, how you doing? Like, da, da, da. Talk to them about whatever you were texting about. Kind of follow up. Follow up with that. On the, on the, on the, on the third day of that phone call, try and organize to meet them the next day. Try and spend some face-to-face time with that one person you know is hurting more than anyone else that you know. Try and have that face-to-face day. The day after, just drop them a text, man. Oh, it was so cool just seeing you yesterday. Fifth day, just give them a call. Sixth day, invite them to City Hill. Seventh day, sit with them here. Sit with them here. Who knows what God is going to do in their life while they're going through that madness? Who knows? Who knows? Who knows what God is going to do? Like, often we always go like, man, we always hear like, I I love it. Like, there's these Christian guys that write these biographies about some crazy messed up stuff. And they preach about it like they were the worst people ever. Oh, man, I was having, snorting like 55 lines of crack a day. And then Jesus came. And then da-da-da. Or like, I killed a man. And now I'm a Christian. Da-da-da. And all that kind of stuff. Everyone's like, oh, man, it's an amazing story. Have you heard this guy's story? I'm like, I don't want to hear this guy's story. I want to have a story. I like having a story. I like doing a story. It's not that I don't care about them. Their stories inspire me. But then they make me start looking out for someone like, and seeing what, what, what they're going through and what I can do. I saw someone recently who, man, I saw one of the saddest things I've ever seen. And, and it was like they were unrecognizable to me. I saw someone who was a key person in somebody's life. And I was there in the midst of this whole thing going on. It was just within the last couple of weeks. And their whole world was falling apart. And the most important person in their life was there with them at this, this thing that was going on. And I was there. And then I saw the most important person in their world just walk off without saying goodbye. And then I looked at that person who I'm trying to walk with through a lot of stuff, and I'm like, I totally get it, dude. I totally get it why you're an absolute douche. I totally get it. They're the most important person in your life, and they've just walked off without saying bye. That's why you can't act this way. And so for me, straight away, as I was working through this, I'm thinking, oh man, I'm gonna do that with, with, with this person, or I'm gonna do that with this one. I've actually got two people in mind that I can think of that I'm gonna try and do this with. I'm gonna be ambitious and double time it. But I just wanna encourage you guys to do these seven things. It's so often in church, we talk about it, and we talk about a practical application, and we're like, oh man, let me do this, but we, we don't do it. I wanna really encourage you guys to do this. And the reason I wanna encourage you guys to do this is it's no good kind of having this kind of like moment at church where it's like, oh man, you might have enjoyed the talk, you might not have enjoyed the talk, who cares? But if we don't ever live the talk, if we don't ever action the talk, it's just talk. 
And the thing about God is, he's not words. Jesus was the word, the word became flesh and blood, acted it out and lived out what God said. He calls you and I to be the word. He wants to speak a word into our life that we live it out. And right now, I believe today, you want me to sit down, okay, Eden, I will, I will do that. I want to sit on this one though. Right now, I believe today that God is calling us to be there for someone. Even if you do all the steps, but you don't even bother inviting them here, like that's a win, that's a win. Like I've gone for that one because I'm a pastor, hashtag reach, and I get that. But even if you do all of those steps, but you don't invite them here, where you do a text, where you do a call the next day, where you meet up the next day, you do a text, you do a call, and then you just do that. You don't know what's gonna happen in that person's life. They took seven days before they started to speak. Next week, we're gonna be looking at some of the things that they said and how that conversation went. But I just want to encourage all of us to be people who are there, people who are present, people who are with them, because we all have friends who need it. So those are the lessons from Job that we take today. Back again, Satan comes back and dishes out the madness. The next thing that will happen will be closer to home. We've got to have space for the person closest to us because... Sometimes they're going to be the pillar in the relationship. Sometimes they're going to be the problem. And sometimes we'll be the problem. Sometimes we'll be the pillar. In all this, Job did not sin with his lips. Satan is after you to say something that you shouldn't say. Number five, unrecognizable. We all have a friend who's suffering from something and they're unrecognizable. We need to be there for them. And then there's seven days of silence. And the call of God is for our seven days of silence and that mission that I've kind of just listed. I'm going to put that up on the City Hill social media. So that'll be on our Facebook. It won't be on Twitter. It's too long to fit all those points in there. Uh, Maybe I'll do seven tweets. Who knows? Yeah, I'll do that. I'm going to put them up on social media. I'm going to put it up on Instagram as well because this is our mission for this week. And we need maybe you need to do a grab screen and keep it as your background and just go, this is what I'm going on. This is my mission for this week because there are people who are hurting and we want to be part of that solution. I'm going to pray for us today and then we're going to get on with the like digital activity thing for those who want to do it. Hey, you are gorgeous. Come on my lap. Come on, sit on my lap and we'll just pray. Pray with me. You can pray with me. No, mummy. You want to sit on mummy's lap? Okay, go, go with mummy. That's cool. Even though you were sitting next to me. Father God, I just thank you for your faithfulness and your goodness to all of us. Father God, sometimes life hits us in the head with a brick. Don't lose faith. That's what you're calling us to do. Like Steve Jobs says, don't lose faith. Father, may we be people who don't lose faith when we're hitting the head of a brick. May we not end up saying things we will regret and things that hurt you. Father, for the times we have said things that hurt you, may you forgive us and empower us to live a different life. Father, this week, may we be like Job's friends who when they saw their friend was in pain and that he was unrecognizable, they spent seven days with him in silence just being present. Father, help us to do our seven-day challenge. And Father, we look forward to seeing what it is that you're going to do in our friends' lives and the people we meet. Would you move in your power and would you bring about that life change, Lord? In Jesus' name, amen.